The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes to us from Isaiah 52 and 53. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God, we thank you for your word. Here's a common, maybe icebreaker question that you've heard. If you could have any professional actor or actress stand in for you in a film about your life, who would you choose? If if any actor or actress be you, play you in a film, who would you choose? You might choose someone to stand in for you who is far more attractive than you. Maybe people's sexiest man or woman alive. You might pick a stand-in who people have said you kind of look like or you sort of resemble. Your celebrity doppelganger, if you will. As a younger man, people surprised me by saying I looked a little like Matthew Broderick from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So maybe I had Matthew Broderick play me. But you're probably not going to pick someone no one has ever heard of or no one would recognize on the big screen, would you? But a stand-in in the entertainment industry is just that. It's someone no one would recognize on the street. They resemble the celebrity actor, but no one would really recognize them as the celebrity. They actually work The stand-in works harder than the actor themselves, but they get paid far less. Here's how they 
serve the actor. They're there early and late in the schedule while the actor is even sleeping to stand in and stand there to get all the lighting right and sit and stand and do all of these things in lieu of the celebrity being there. They also do stunts as a substitute for them, making sure that that famous actor doesn't get hurt. And they serve the celebrity, basically, by doing all of the dirty work that that $5 million contract of that celebrity doesn't include. Our passage in Isaiah today is a surprise that no one but God saw coming. It's the surprise of a stand-in. The book's theme, Isaiah's theme, we've talked about this fall, is basically simply this. God saves sinners. And up until this point in Isaiah, we've gotten a front row seat into what sinners do. In God, we don't trust. We trust in the things God has made, like ourselves, like other people, like other powers, but we don't trust in him, the maker. And where does that leave us? It leaves us miserable as we go after and worship people and places and things trying to fill in that void that only God can fill. It leaves us miserable, but it also leaves us guilty as we go after and serve and worship those people and places and things. Guess what? We start to look like those people and places and things. Not only miserable, not only guilty, but it leaves us in ruin as we put at the center of our life people and places and things and not God. This is not how life is supposed to be. And so our circumstances and our world is in ruin. By God's grace, the Lord makes a promise throughout the book of Isaiah. And he says this, in spite of your sin, And in spite of the suffering which your sin has left you in, I will and can save you. I will pull you out. I will redeem you from the awful ruin yourself is in. How? Through a servant. The latter part of the book of Isaiah is all about a servant. Prior to this passage that we read this morning, Isaiah has written three songs about the servant to get us prepared for what the servant is going to do. The first song is in Isaiah 42, and it tells us that the servant is chosen by God, and God is pleased, happy with him. It's perfect. The second song in Isaiah 49 promises the servant is going to bring salvation not just to Israel, not just to the nation of Israel, but to every nation. Whoa, that's going to be mind-blowing. The third song in Isaiah 50 shows a contrast between the people of God, Israel, and how they continually sin and disobey God with the servant's perfect obedience to do what God wants him to do. That's what the third one is about. And so here we are on the fourth in Isaiah 52. But just prior to this final servant song, the verses just before the ones we had read, good news is announced that God is coming to save 
that he's coming back to rebuild ruins, that the salvation, the strong muscle arm of the Lord is going to be seen in this servant who comes for the entire world. But if anyone's going to play God's servant, the question we have to ask is, what's he going to look like? How would we know it's him? And Isaiah says this, recognize God's surprising servant as the stand-in for sinners. Recognize God's surprising servant as the stand-in for sinners. What does the stand-in for sinners look like? Isaiah, Isaiah sings the song of the servant's salvation. Three points that I believe this passage shows us about the servant in this song. First point is this. He will look more like a lamb than a man. Secondly, he will look more like a limb than a hymn. And finally, he looks more like you than you knew was true. So first, the servant will look more like a lamb than a man. Would you look with me at verses 13 to 15 of chapter 52 and ask, how does the servant, how does he look more like a lamb than a man? The first verse, 13, Isaiah says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. Meaning, the servant will do what needs to be done. He will get her done. He will succeed in bringing salvation to a people. What he does will be effective. That's what act wisely means. And then it's described, he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. This means he will rise head and shoulders above any other person. It's again a picture of doing something no mere human has ever or will ever do. It will have God's glorious signature attached to it. Up until this point, if our modern-day advertisers or marketers had anything to do with these first few words of this song, there would be so much hype surrounding this servant. Oh, this is amazing. Let's pay thousands of dollars to get a seat to be in this person's presence. This man is going to save the world. But look what happens next. What are we to see here in this servant song, in this spectacle? It's not a spectacle of Taylor Swift staging and lights and beauty and amazing, glorious reality. But what do we see? We see a crime scene. Look at what comes next. As many were astonished. That's not positive astonishment. This is like an astonishment that has to do with like repulsiveness or, <gasps> oh, that's awful. As many as were astonished at you, what Isaiah is saying, the nation of Israel, they're living in a foreign land. And so everyone in this foreign land sees Israelites and goes, oh, there they are again. There they are again. As much as we're repulsed by you, his appearance was so marred. That means like so deformed. If you guys maybe remember the elephant man or like a sideshow, that's what he's saying. His appearance was so marred beyond human recognition. 
It's like the scene of a horrible car crash. His face doesn't look like a human face anymore. His body doesn't look like a human body anymore. And his form was beyond that of the children of mankind, where the shape of his body is completely twisted. So, in this manner, with this visual of this servant who's going to change and save the world, shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Just to unpack that for a second, that verse, what is this sprinkling that we're talking about in this song? It's blood. Without the shedding of blood, Scripture says, there's no forgiveness of sins. There's no saving the world. And sprinkling was an act of a priest. What they would do was they would dip their hands in the blood of an animal sacrifice, be it a bull, a goat, a bird, a lamb, and they would sprinkle it on the altar or on a healed person, a leper who's been healed, to mark God's work in making them right again. And this servant is not only sprinkling blood on the nation of Israel, he's sprinkling blood on all the nations, on the entire world. It says kings will shut their mouths because of him. Kings from other countries who are never part of the nation of Israel are getting what's happening here because they know this, that where a king goes, so too does the people. A king in the ideal is a representative. He's a stand-in, a servant for the people. If the king bleeds, if the king dies, then the people don't have to. So see in this picture the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. A lamb's blood in the sacrificial system didn't have the power to successfully remove sin from a person. It was a picture, a future promise that that there's going to be blood shed. And now Isaiah says, look at this one that is twisted up and unrecognizable and you will see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This would be the effective one for salvation. The man is lifted up high above people's heads, disfigured, disjointed, bleeding to display the sacrificial love of God. This servant looks more like a bleeding lamb than a man. But what else describes this servant? Could we recognize him before that point? No, you couldn't. Because the servant looked more like a limb than a hymn. My kids are keeping me current with the language of the day. Right, Cato? Helping me out, okay? And to be him is an expression you'd find coming off the lips of LeBron James on the basketball court. I'm him. To be him is to be a dominant figure, a blooming flower in a garden full of weeds. It's a feeling of confidence, of swagger, The type of disposition that only occurs when you leave your opposition cowering in fear. Sam on the basketball court, are you him? 
him. And it's what we look for in the world for a leader. We look for a goat, right? Greatest of all time, him. But friends, it's not what's found in the servant lamb. Look at verses 1 to 3 of chapter 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm, it's a picture of strength and power, but the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah is asking these questions almost as if to say, you're not going to believe this. What do you think God's arm, his power in bringing salvation to the world is going to look like? It's almost like he's setting up a statue of the servant in the middle of this song. And the statue of the servant is covered with a veil, with like a blanket. And he's going to reveal it to you. Who has believed what you've heard from him? To whom has the arm of the Lord been uncovered or revealed? And you're standing there looking at this statue. What's he going to look like? What goat is he going to look like when you take that blanket off of him? Is he going to look like LeBron? Is he going to look like Joe Burrow? Is he going to look like Elon Musk? Is he going to look like Jeff Bezos? E, he's going to look like none of the above. Look at the description. For he grew up before him like a young plant. What that is, is it's like a little suckling. I have a maple tree in our backyard. And every year it gets these little little branches that try to shoot out at the bottom. And I just pick them off. That's what he looks like. That's what he looks like. Like that little suckling. And like a root out of dry ground. It's like something that has zero hope of survival. It's not going to last. He had no form. His physique was not something to look at, friends. He had no majesty. He wasn't dressed to the nines that we should look at him. He had no beauty. He didn't look like Ryan Reynolds. He was not a pretty boy that we should desire him. Friends, in a crowd of a thousand, you would never pick him out based on his build, his looks, or his style. Nothing will draw your eye to him. Not only this, the song continues, the servant was despised and rejected by men. So not only was he unrecognizable, he was actually someone that you, you maybe wanted to avoid. A man of sorrows. What that means, he, he walked around with heartbreak on his sleeve all the time. He's crying. Oh, I want to be near this guy. He's acquainted with grief. Instead of going to concerts and baseball and basketball games, where would you find him? You'd find him working in hospice and with the homeless. I don't want to be around that guy. He's kind of a downer. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. If you had to pick him for your team, you would pick him last. He had no commercial value to us. He couldn't sell out tickets to a concert if he tried. This servant was the furthest thing from the culture's version of him. Why? 
because salvation doesn't come from the world's operating system, from popularity, from appearance, from charisma. No, it comes from one who's willing to be born in a barn to relate to low-life farmers and shepherds. It's one who's willing to live in a no-name town as a carpenter to relate to low-life tradesmen. It's one who's willing to walk around with fishermen and prostitutes to relate to the everyday plight of sinful men and women. And it's one who's willing to die like a thief to relate to low-life thieves. If you're going to call this servant a stand-in, friends, he needs to look like the people he's standing in for. The servant looks more like a limb than a hymn. And so in the last few verses, as they show us in the most vivid detail what the servant stand-in looks like, he will look more like you than you knew was true. Verses 4 to 6 of the song is like the chorus of the stand-in servant. This is the way of salvation, friends. This is the clearest indicator in Isaiah of how the Lord saves sinners. By becoming a sinner's substitute. And as you hear these verses read, they're familiar verses. I want you to ask, is this me? Does this servant, like the recent ad campaign, which I love, he gets us. Does this servant stand in for sinners? Verse 4, surely he has borne, which means he has lifted up on his shoulders our griefs. Our griefs, there's every suffering, friends, every suffering that comes as a result of sins that we've committed and sins that have been committed against us. Everything he puts on his shoulders. And he's carried, means he's bearing a heavy weight. He's carried our sorrows, our sorrows, the heartbreak, the response of living in such a busted, ruined world. This servant is willing to put the mess of your life and this world and walk the miles necessary to take it to the place where it can be taken off of your back. He wants to carry the misery that you live in as a result of living apart from God. He's saying, the hero is saying, I've got you. I'm willing to get you. I'm willing to put you on my back. But look at this love. Look what happens. He's willing to get us. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. It's kind of like, here is the Savior of the world. What's he going to look like? Well, if it's a matter of a playing a game, he's going to come into the game and lose the game. If it's a matter of cancer, if he's going to take care of cancer, he's going to come into the cancer and he's going to die of it. The way he's going to succeed is by losing. How you estimated this servant as stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted is actually who you are apart from God. Apart from Jesus. You are stricken. You are under God's curse without the servant. You are under God's anger for your sin. And you are condemned. You all, we all, are condemned to carry the weight of our sin into hell for the rest of eternity in anguish, grief, and the wailing heartbreak of that place. That's us, stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. 
unless we ask him to be our stand-in, to be our substitute, to be the one who was pierced instead of us, the one who was pierced, who took a deadly sword through the gut for our transgressions, for our breaking relationship with God. He took the sword. He fell on the sword. He who was crushed means he was like smashed into dust, into the tiniest pieces under the heaviest weight of God's wrath for us, for our iniquities, for our ruining God's glorious good. He was crushed. And upon him was the punishment, the chastisement that brought us peace, that brought us shalom, that brought the right relationship once again between God and man. And with his wounds, with his stripes, if you can picture him taking on the belt stripes of God's discipline by his stripes that we deserve, we can be healed, restored, given a cure. All we like sheep have gone astray. All of us, every one of us have turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, on this servant, on this stand-in, on this substitute, the iniquity of us all. Nowhere else in the Old Testament scripture is it so clear that the only person to match this description of this stand-in servant is Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who successfully takes away the sin of the world. Behold the limb who was cut off from God by men to hang on a criminal's tree. And believe that this crucified servant, this distorted, contorted servant who is bleeding, is lovingly and sacrificially standing in for you, wandered sheep. Salvation is here in this substitute servant. Behold him and believe in him. Actor Jeremy Renner, you might know him. He's the actor who played Hawkeye in the Marvel movies. He said this. He said he would risk getting run over by a snowplow again to save his nephew. He said, I'd do it again. Because it was going to kill him. This accident happened near Jeremy Renner's home in Nevada. There was heavy snow that had fallen. And his vehicle, uh, driven by a family member, had gotten stuck in the driveway. And so Jeremy went to get into his snowplow. He's a celebrity, so apparently he has a snowplow that weighs about 14,000 pounds. It's a big one with big uh, tracks along the side. So he got into his snowplow to help clear the driveway for his vehicle. And as he was clearing and as he was talking with a family member, as he got out of the snowplow, he realized the snowplow didn't have the brake engaged and it was beginning to roll down the hill and heading toward Jeremy's unsuspecting nephew. And Jeremy tried to get back into the vehicle to stop it and turn it. And as he was getting in there and turning the wheel, his foot got caught in the tracks and then it took him down and he was crushed by the tracks of the machine. Renner's neighbors, who made the 911 call, said, there's so much blood. The amount of blood. And he was in so much pain. 
neighbor said that when I looked at his head, it appeared to me that his head was completely cracked open beyond a human recognition of a skull. The 52-year-old actor broke over 30 bones and required countless surgeries. Renner had broken bones spanning the entire length of his body, including both of his ankles, some of his ribs, his right shoulder, his eye socket, his jaw. He also, also suffered a collapsed lung. And at one point in an interview with Diane Sawyer, Renner started crying and said this, what we just endured, just pay attention to this, this is what he said, what we just endured was real love. It's suffering. Real love is suffering. But it's a love that feeds the seeds of what love truly is. Suffering feeds the seeds of what love is. Where this leads us, friends, today is a call on your life. A call to sprinkle the seeds of the world with what love is. A call to ourselves to come and be crushed. To follow the servant towards sacrifice. To take up a cross. To serve the servant. You have been crucified. You have been crushed with Christ. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives within you. Would you let his sprinkled blood be on your lips as you declare to the world what the servant has done in saving you? Would you let his sprinkled blood be in your actions as you forgive those who have sinned heinously against you, even if they consider what you're doing and forgiving them laughable. Please give up the attempts of trying to be recognizable as a Christian. Please give up the attempts of trying to be noteworthy or impressive as a Christian on the courts of people's praise, because no one could pick Jesus out of a crowd. Why would you be any different? Instead, have dinner with the heartbroken, Weep with the widow. Be him by not trying to be him. And look regularly to the cross where you see your stand in. Who would you want to best play you in the story of your life? No one can perfectly save you but Jesus. And no one can more fully stand in for you except Jesus. Do you want him to play you in the story of your life? Let your stand-in be the servant, Jesus. Let it be, Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, There is no other servant on earth who looks like Jesus. He is the lamb who was successfully crushed. That it was your will to crush him so that we would not be crushed. 
Behold the Lamb of God. Let that Lamb be our substitute. Let His blood cover us and make us white as snow. Father, He was unrecognizable in human estimation. Would you do the same in us? Help us give up, give up the attempt of trying to look noteworthy and instead hide ourselves in Jesus who nobody recognized. And Father, may we keep our eyes beholding the cross. We say it a lot. He did, died for me. We say that a lot. But let's really look at what it looks like what a sinner's punishment really looks like. That when we see the cross, when we see him writhing in pain and screaming, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are our lines. Those are our lines that he's speaking. Because he was willing and because he loves us so much. Help us to hide in his love and help him to continually be for the rest of our lives our standing, our substitute. It is no longer us who lives, but Christ who lives within us. I pray this all in his name. Amen.